Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this series that's designed to take you deeper and farther in your faith than ever before. We hope that this next series will be an encouragement to you wherever you are in your faith journey. We'd love to hear from each and every one of you. Will you take a moment to go to branchlife.church and click on this connection card? And if this series speaks to you, we'd love for you to share it on your social media anytime in any way. Just click the link or the share button on whatever platform you are watching. Hey, stay tuned to the end after this talk, and I'll see you then. Church, uh, I'm so excited to be here with you guys this morning. It's been a great summer here at Branch Life Church, and like everyone has said already on stage, if this is your first time here, maybe it's your hundredth time here, maybe it's your first time watching online, we want to say that we're glad you're here. At Branch Life, we have a Logan. It's on the t-shirt that Jeff's about to get for the caption and everything. It says that we're better together, and that's what we've been working on through this series that we've been preaching called Next, and it's all about the topics that we use to when we get in on a small one-on-one, one-on-two relationship to take our next steps in Christ. We're, we're pushing this idea of discipleship where you get a group of people, like two or three, to encourage, to motivate, to pray for you, and encourage you to take your next steps in Christ. Hence the name Next. And so the pastor staff thought it'd be a good idea, since we're doing this whole better together thing, that we team preach through this whole thing. So week one, Pastor Josh, he talked about our new identity in Christ. Then Pastor Scott came in and he talked about um, the Holy Spirit and the Bible. Pastor Bill then came up and he spoke about prayer. Now, full disclosure, and this is a full warning to all y'all, all all right? These guys are awesome. Pastor Josh, right out of school, became a preacher for youth and stuff like that. He has spoken hundreds and hundreds of times. Pastor Scott Look, it's literally in his blood. He's one of the most biblically sound and biblically knowledgeable people, and his whole life has been dedicated to spreading God's word. His whole family life. He's like the 10th generation pastor or something like that. So his father was a pastor. His father's father was his pastor. His father's father's father was a pastor. His other father, 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 father. I think he was the pastor on the Mayflower. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) All right. So so he's, he's got it in his blood. And then you got Pastor Bill. Now, I don't know if it's a rumor or not. I don't, I'm not sure 100%, but I heard Pastor Bill's first sermon was at Abraham Lincoln's funeral. Right? So most Sundays, from the time Abraham Lincoln died to now, Pastor Bill has been sharing God's word. And now you all get stuck with me. All right? I'm not going to say too much about it, but I know what you're thinking. There's weapons on stage. He's got that crazy look in his eyes. What's about to happen? Well, the next step that we get to talk about is sharing the story, sharing the story. And we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. And this rookie man, it's actually supposed to be 17 through 20. That's me messing up the PowerPoint. Don't worry about that. But we're going to start at 17, right? And as you turn there, this is something story sharing is not new to us as mankind. 
Ever since Adam and Eve, we've been sharing stories and we've been communicating. It started with conversations. Then maybe it went to like cave drawings on the wall. You know, you got that stick figure guy with the spear chasing the woolly mammoth and stuff like that. Just share the story of the hunt. We've done plays. We've sung songs to relay a story or a message. The worship team was just up here. And Alan said this, this chorus, this verse, that's message of the song. We communicate a story through that. You come into modern times now, you start getting into movies. We can actually watch the story unfold in front of us. I mean, they start evolving a volume. When Star Wars came out, they wanted to describe the lasers, so they start shooting lasers at everyone. And then all of a sudden, someone had this bright idea. This bright idea for social media. Oh, They decided that your story about your cat is so worth sharing that we want to create a platform that at the push of a button, you can share your cat with the whole world. Every big event, you know, whether you got a new crock pot at, what's that story you look Hobby Lobby or something like that. I don't know what it is, right? So whatever you want to share, now you can share a story at the touch of your fingers. And God, he's so much bigger than social media. He has so many ways that he could share his story. He's done it in the past. Look, he's done it through actually speaking to people. He's done it through angels. He's done it through a burning bush. Heck, he's done it through a donkey. And if he can use a, a, a donkey, he can use us. And we see, as we're going to get into our scripture here today, that God has chosen a platform for him to share the message, the story that he wants to share. And it's going to be us. If you want to fall asleep right now, or leave right now, and you need to leave, this is what I want you to hear. And if you can take it by faith, go ahead. God shares his message of salvation through every believer. If you can take that and go, hey, I won't hold you up. But as we get into it, I think you're going to see that's what it is. So let's pray. Lord, I ask that you just help me get out of the way of this message. Lord, that the people in here be stirred to share your great news. Be renewed about the joy of their salvation. I ask that this message, um, your message, Lord, your story that you want us to share doesn't stay in this room any longer, but it goes out to our communities, our friends, our families. Be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to start looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And like I said, if you turn there, we're going to actually start in 17. And it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you didn't get to listen to Pastor Josh's message on a new identity, this is basically what it was. It would be the trailer, the promo video, the hype video of the story if the, the story of God was a movie. It would be the flashy thing that catches your attention. And it would go something like this. He was broken. He was far from God. Hopeless, enslaved to sin with time running out, on the path of destruction. But Christ. Now, he is a child of God. He is drawn close to God. He's made spiritually alive. No longer is he overcome. Now he's more than a conqueror. No longer he's on a path to destruction, but now he's on the path to heaven. And you go, what, 
what happened? Okay, I want to watch that movie. It's like in Top Gun, dude's upside down, shooting people, flying all over the place. You're like, what? how did he get upside down? How did that person go from this to that? And it's all found in Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 18. This is just the first part of it. All of this, so all that good work, all that new identity, all that change of life comes from God. It doesn't come from anywhere else. It comes from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. That word reconcile there, it's why it's yellow, means to restore a relationship. We see broken relationships all over the world. If you look at middle school, there's all kinds of little grudges. to Actually, forget that. If you look at all society, everyone's holding a grudge against someone. And there's this thing that's hindering from two people or two things coming together. Look at our, our government right now. What a hot mess that is. Right? You got two political parties that have such a thing that's broken in between them. They can't reconcile anything. And here what God is saying is through Christ. God reconciled us to himself. This is the whole theme of the Bible. Ready? You know, they tell you not to try to overdo it in a sermon and get too much in. Well, here, look at this. This book's intimidating. I'm going to try to sum it all up in like two sentences. You ready for this? A holy, righteous God pursuing and redeeming his broken people. That's the story from X, I mean Genesis all the way to Revelations. Now there's different scenes throughout the whole Bible, and it climaxes at Jesus Christ. But the whole theme of the Bible is this holy, righteous God pursuing a broken, sinful people. Why? Because he loves them. That's the whole, the whole theme of the Bible. And it goes into the gospel, the story that we're supposed to share. That through Christ, we can have a right relationship with our Creator. Here's like a caveman drawing of the gospel. Like, if I ever get held up in a cave, I'm going to die. I'm going to scratch this on the wall so someone can come and find it, right? You see, the circle of brokenness. You don't have to look far to see brokenness in this world. Just last night, I got a call that one of my loved ones had COVID. That's brokenness, disease, suffering, cancer. We see random acts of violence. We see racism. We see political unrest. We see wars in Ukraine. It's not hard to see that people, that this world is broken. And too often we look around and we're like, why is that? But the other circle over here, this is not God's design. God's perfect design for the world we get a glimpse of in Adam and Eve and in the garden. They walked and talked with their creator. They got to eat fruit off whatever tree. There was no sickness, no suffering, no death. I mean, their job was like naming animals. Yeah, I want to name you kiwi, right? Snuffleupagus, whatever. That's awesome. We were in perfection with God, what he wanted it to be, with us in a relationship with him. And then man decided to follow his own way. And that's what's called, called sin. Instead of following God's plan for us, we just decide to do what we want. And it's called sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. Because that's what hinders the relationship between a holy God and a broken man is that sin. And we're all in a state of brokenness. And once we get there, these lines that squiggle out, that's our attempts 
to try to get back. It might be doing good works. It might be um, paying enough money to someone to redeem ourselves. Maybe trying to find our purpose in a uh, position or a job. Maybe it's in a relationship we know we shouldn't be in. Hey, maybe it's in drugs and alcohol, so we just numb it. We're constantly trying to find our purpose and constantly trying to fulfill the meaning in our lives. And we try to do it all these ways. And God doesn't like that. But God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God made a way for us to get back. God sent the one true thing that ever fully pleased him, his son, down to earth to live a perfect life without sin, to go to a cross and die a death that we deserve, so that if you put your faith and trust in that, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Look at, if you have your Bibles, I didn't put this in the PowerPoint either, um, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, For your sake, for my sake, he made him, that's Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might have the righteousness of Christ. What's that saying is God pursued you. God pursued us and made it way to reconcile us, to wreck what stands in between us, so that we can be in right relationship with him. And as Christians, we get excited about that, right? We have songs about that. We tell stories about that. But most of the time, we keep it in here. Most of the time, it's private. We should have joy about our salvation, but we stay here. And the verse continues in 2 Corinthians 5.18. It says, all of this is from God through Christ reconciled us to himself. And then something, that and, it always catches you. And gave us a ministry of reconciliation. It continues on. That is, what is the ministry of reconciliation? In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting, oh, that's a big word, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation, the message of, re of restoration. As soon as we get saved, our next step should be share the story. God has given us a ministry. The ministry is a calling. It's a vocation. It's something that you give your life to. We have people in the government like Minister of Interior, Ministry of Defense. There are people, he's, his whole job is the defense of the nation. His whole job is to work on the interior of the country. You think of ministers in church and stuff like that. Their whole job is to relay the good news of Jesus Christ. And here, he's calling us all to this ministry. And the ministry is this message. I need you to take this message to a broken world and tell them that they don't have to live in brokenness. They don't have to be in a broken relationship with their creator. There's a way back. And it's through Christ. Entrusting to us. Man, Alex and I have this a couple times. People have came up to us and said, if I die, will you take my kids? Ugh. Right? It's not that I don't love the kids. 
Right? It's just like, that's a lot. I got a little baby girl, Grace, waving at me right now. One day, I'm going to have to entrust her to someone else. <sighs> Over my dead body. I mean, sorry. like, like <laughs> And here, God's saying the message of salvation, the message of redemption, the message of restoration, the one thing that can save the world, I'm entrusting it to you. If we think the movies, every war movie has this scene in it. A soldier gets shot, mortally wounded, laying on the ground, calls another soldier over, and they pull some letter out of their pocket. They're about to die. And they have one request of them. Take this message to the ones I love. I need them to know it. And in the same way, God is calling that, take the message of salvation to the people I love. Take it to the world that I love. I made a way. Get it to them. And he's trusting each and every believer as soon as you found the good news of Jesus Christ to take that message and go. In the studies this week and listening to sermons and stuff, I came across a story I don't think I've ever heard. It's found in 2 Kings 6.24-7.20. And it's the story of Samaria. And what it did is it, it just struck me right to a chord about a season in my life. It's a story of Samaria, and there was another country called Syria. Samaria was God's people. Syria attacked Samaria, and they did something called besieging it. They encircled the whole city and cut off all the food, all the supplies. No one could come in and out. No one could get food. No one could get drink. And what that caused was a tremendous famine. There was hunger, really, really bad hunger to the point people were dying. At one point, they were selling donkey heads at a premium. I don't know about you, but I don't know anyone after this after, like, I'm going to go home, I'm going to get me a donkey head for lunch, right? It got bad. Not even that, they were selling pigeon dung for food. How desperate do you have to eat pigeon dung? It got to the point of cannibalism. I know we're not going to get too more into this because it's getting pretty graphic, but I'm just saying it is a dire situation, a hopeless situation. If someone doesn't come, everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to perish. But there was four leopards. And the leopards were outside the gate. And now a leopard is one that has a disease that's super contagious, and they quarantine, and they cast them out. And normally, they live on the scraps of society. If you've got a famine going on, there ain't no scraps. What's scraps from a donkey head? I don't know, the ear? And, and they're on the outside, and they got so bad, they started having a conversation with themselves. And it went like this. Look, if we go in the city, we're going to die. If we go to Syria, they're going to kill us. And if we stay here, we're going to die. I might as well go. So they headed out to Syria. As they get there, they're about to crest the hill to go into this hostile army, right? And right before they got there, God sent a wind through the camp of the Syrians. It sounded like thousands and thousands of chariots coming down upon them. So that the whole Syrian army fled. And they were so high speed, I left their food on the, the fires, their tents up, their donkeys tied up. As they were going, clothes were falling off. They said for miles they left stuff screwed, like just laying on the ground. So now you have these four leopards coming up over the hill, and they see Shady Maple, baby, <laughs> right? If you're not from around here, Shady Maple's this all-you-can-eat buffet, and they come over impoverished and just start devouring. Yes, Mr. Sticky Cinnamon Buns, French Toast, whatever, you know, just bam, 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 bam. They're drinking whatever they wanted to drink, and they ate so much, they went, oh. And then they looked around all while. 
People were dying by the minute in the city. And they looked around and they started seeing treasures. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's go take the treasure and hide it in the, in the desert. So they go over and they take this treasure. They go hide it. They come back to eat a couple more donuts or omelets or whatever was left on there. Right? They grab more treasure and they go hide it. They did this all day. And all the time, people were dying back in the city. And then finally, one of them came to their senses. And it says in 2 Kings 7, 9, it says, Then they, they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. They found their salvation out there. God provided their salvation in the desert. And they came to a realization after they gorged themselves on everything that this is not just for me, it's for the people back there. And it took them too long because people were dying every day. So they went back. They told the king. There was a whole little bit of more drama. You guys can read it for yourself. But eventually the whole town came out. And by that night, they were all eating Chick-fil-A. They were all being filled. They were all no longer in the depths of despair, but they had salvation. And this is what impacts me as a Christian. There was a season in my life where I had salvation and I didn't offer it. I have friends that haven't made it. Got to knock this off, man. I got friends that got caught up that they took their own lives. I got friends that got enslaved that the sins took their lives. And I was too busy worrying about my own stuff. Tell them about Christ. And when I heard that story, man, it was like a slap in the face. And too often as Christians, we do that. We come in here, we sing awesome songs. We come to worship night, worship night and we praise God. But then we keep it in here. We'll be hiding. Be like, yeah, Jesus. Did someone say Jesus? Yeah. Oh, no. That's my own personal thing. We keep it in this building. We keep it in our small groups. We keep it in our one-on-one discipleship. We keep it wherever we pray. But we don't take the message that God's entrusted us and share it with the world. I don't really need to go over these five points that I have coming up. Look. Jesus calls us to do it. That should be the first motivation. Just as the Father has sent me, Jesus says, I'm sending you. God's calling you to do it. Second, everyone dies. Hebrews 9.27 says, Has it given unto every man once to die and then judgment? Every person is going to at some point face eternity. And they're going to be judged upon whether or not they respond to the message of reconciliation that God has entrusted to you. And God doesn't want this to happen. He wills it that no one perish without entering eternity with him. Look, but God is patient toward you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Can I tell you something that bothers me a little bit? And this is sounding bad coming from the pulpit. You know that prayer, Jesus return right now? I don't like it. Selfishly, I do not like that prayer. If he comes back right now, there's too many friends, too many families I know that are on the wrong side of that judgment. 
What he's saying here is that the fact that I am not coming back, that I am not punishing the sins of this world right now is salvation to some people. Some people that you are called to go send the message of reconciliation to. People matter to God. And that should drive us. What are you worth, or what are you willing to pay for something? God bankrupt heaven for you. He sent his son, his only begotten son, to repair the thing that stands between man and God just because he loves you. And if God loves you, we should love you. And you hold the answer. We all hold the answer through the message that Jesus has told us to share. That story has the answer for every man's problem. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven and earth or heaven given to man by which we must be saved. That is the only cure. There was a little child in here not too long ago that was on the edge of death. When we heard the news, we were all around a whole bunch of pastors. And we were praying as soon as we heard it. You know what the next words out of their mouth was when we were done praying? Where's the medicine? Let's go get it. I don't care if it's in Canada, across the sea. Let's take the message that would cure that person and get it to that child. We have the cure. We have the answer. We have it. And it is in the story of Jesus Christ. And somehow he chooses us. Oh, this is crazy. Right? Somehow he chooses us. It says in verse 20, Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We're ambassadors. Have you guys heard that word before? America has ambassadors. We send them to different countries to relay the message of us to them. An ambassador is someone, that, a representative that takes the message of the one who sent them to the people he wants them to get it to. Things about ambassadors, they're chosen. Uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go bear fruit, fruit that will last. God chooses us to be in his ambassadors. And another thing a good ambassador does, he knows the culture. He knows the people he's going to. You don't speak, you don't send a person, Lucy speaks German some. You don't send Lucy speaking Germany, Germany to Spain. They're not gonna, they're not gonna comprehend, right? They're not gonna understand each other. You don't send someone speaking France to another country that doesn't speak France, China. You're not gonna communicate. You're not gonna be able to relay that message. You send someone that understands the culture. You understand the way the people can communicate with the people, has a heart for the people. And this is what God calls us to do. He says, I'm in your ambassador. Look, you're going, Alex, I understand, but I can't do what you're doing right now. I can't share the gospel like you. I don't know enough right now. The whole reason I gave the resume of the pastors before me is because every day of the week, and literally twice on Sunday, if I, in my own wisdom, had to choose someone to give this message, it would be any three of them. Because in my head, they're better equipped for it. 
But at this moment, at this time, God has chose me to do it here. He may have used me the past of losing friends to have a passion about sharing the good news of Christ with the lost. You'll never get through a sermon with me without hearing this verse. Ephesians 2.10, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. It's an amazing thing that God, as soon as we become believers in Christ, not only does God redeem us, but He redeems our past, our present, and our future. In that verse it says we are His workmanships. Another translation says our masterpiece. What he's saying here is that I have created you perfectly for carrying out the good works I've called you to do. You're a masterpiece. You're not even just a good tool. You're just not just like a craftsman. You're now a masterpiece. You're the high dollar, perfect fit tool for the job and the perfect tool for sharing the message that God's entrusted you to the people he wants you to reach. This might be the greatest run-on sentence I've ever wrote in my life right here. Once we believe, once we are a believer, God takes everything in our past, present, and future, good or bad, and shapes us into the perfect masterpiece the perfect person to share his message and his story to the people, places, circumstances that God has called us to share them in. Guys, everything in your past, present, and future, your hobbies, your interests, maybe you're a skeptic and you have to find out everything about everything before you believe, where you work, where you grew up in, your family life, your children, anything. God takes that even in your past, the hurts and suffering and the victories, failed businesses and successful businesses. And he uses that to make you the person that can relay his message the best. This is another visual because a lot of people learn different ways. This is an arrow. This is an arrow. In itself, it can't do anything. It can't be shot down there and hit that target. But yet, this arrow was specifically made in a way. This arrow is made out of aluminum. Probably Pastor Josh's Coke Zero cans. Melted down and redone in a whole bunch. Of, and they rolled it out to make it a certain length. They rolled it out to have a certain thickness that when it's shot out of the bow, it recovers from the flex. It's called the Archer's Paradox. If you want to learn more, you can come to Archery Camp. Right? It's called the Archer's Paradox. It flies down. If it's too, too flexible, it's going to snap and stick in your arm. If it's not flexible enough, it's going to kick off the bow. Then someone took the time to put a little point on this arrow that will make it impact the place it's going better. Then they glued on these little things they called veins so that when it's shot down range, it spins better and flies better to get to the target it's called to get to. And then the coolest thing about this arrow is this little thing in the back. It's called a knock. You know what this knock means on the arrow? It's called to be in relationship with something. And when we become believers in Jesus Christ, he takes away the sin and he puts us back in right relationship with him. Now this arrow has no power to do anything in itself. This is another physics lesson. All the energy to break that balloon is in the limbs of these bows. 
All this arrow can do is carry that energy downrange to hit where it's supposed to hit. So, y'all ready for this? So when you draw the bow back and you're in right relationship with God and you let him use you, he delivers your message. He de we deliver his message and we're the perfect ones to do that. And you go, Alex, I still don't know. All right, I understand God's called me to do this. I understand God has equipped me to do this, but I still am reserved. You know what gets me up here talking today? This next verse. Not only has God made me the perfect tool to send and to get his message, he's went before me and prepared it for me. For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand for us to step into. Your next step as a believer in Christ is to share the message of reconciliation. Share the news of the gospel. Share the story of the greatest message ever told. And God has already went before each and every one of us and has made the way. He has planted the seeds. He has softened the hearts. And even if they don't respond to it, he might be using you to get them to respond to it down the road. God promises that his word does not come back void. His message does not come back void. It will fulfill its purpose. Sometimes we want everyone to get saved and we're all excited about it. But no matter what, this is the confidence we have. Not only has he made it, but he has made our ways straight. He has prepared every way, everything we're going to step into. And it's just, I mean, I just have that picture. Just that step. What's your responsibility? Just be obedient and step. Just be obedient and step. What's that look like? Here at Branch, we always say these three things. Pray, invest, invite. Pray, invest, invite. We want to be praying for the people we're trying to send the message to. We want to be investing in the people we're trying to reach. And then we want to invite. I'm going to take it a little deeper because this is the whole message right here. This is what we're called to do, so let's give us a little more encouragement. In Psalms 51, 12, it says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. First thing you do when you pray, ask God to make your salvation as real as the day as you heard it. Get excited about it. Ain't no one buying a car off of someone who's not excited. If you don't believe it and you aren't embodied by it, it's not going to come through. You need to be joyful. That does not mean happy. I want to make that very clear. There is a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based on your situations. And there's a lot of situations. We live in a broken world that can hurt and really stink. Joy is based on who you're in relationship with. Even if I have a bad day, I still get to go home to my wife and my kids. And God is so much better than that. No matter what happens, you're in right relationship with the creator, the one who designed you, who knows the best for you, who promises to never leave you or forsake you. You were on the path to destruction. Now you're on the path to eternity with God. Woo! Get the joy of your salvation. Next, pray for others. 
The prayers of a righteous man availeth much. That's the King James. The prayers of a righteous man has great power. There's power in prayer. Let's start praying for people. I've been here for like almost two years now. There is people that write the name of someone they're trying to reach on their card every week. And every week there's people praying for them. And there's great prayer in that. Imagine if we got whole churches, hundreds of people praying for someone. They don't stand a chance. We need to pray for the people. Oh, going back. Pray for confidence and boldness. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the good news of salvation. Pray for boldness when that conversation comes up and it's awkward and you're like, eh, I don't know. Like, No, just step into it. When you have a choice that would be easier for the moment just to walk away from the conversation than have it, step into it. Trust God. He's made you for it. He's prepared you for it. That doesn't mean every conversation is going to go well, but maybe he's using that conversation to make you the tool he needs you that later on down the road, you're going to be able to impact someone else. Maybe there's a question come up and you're like, oh, shoot, they got me. They didn't get you. You just need to get in the word a little bit more, which is, which is good. We have the answers. Lastly, play for open doors. Good works which God has prepared beforehand. Start praying for doors to be opened that you can share the message of Jesus Christ. Invest. Be intentional. Matthew, you can't get through a thing on sharing the gospel without this great commission. Go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Look, you have to go to the people you're trying to share the message with. It's not just going to miraculously happen. If you're trying to share the message with someone at school, guess what, kids? you got to go to school. If you're trying to share the message and you're praying for people at work, you got to go to work. If it's your neighbor across the street, you literally have to go across the street. If your heart's burdened for Africa, you have to go to Africa. If your heart's burdened for the kids in Kensington, you got to go for the kids in Kensington. If it's for the kids at camp, go to camp. If it's your parents, go spend time with your parents. You have to go. It's so simple. But yet, as believers, too often we hide it in here and we stay in here and say, we're good. This is what God wants me to do. He wants me to sit in front of pastors and hear his message. No, God wants you to hear the message and take it to the world. Go. Invest in God's word. You want to have something that comes back tenfold. Invest in God's word. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Look at this highlighted part. That the man of God may be equipped for every good work. You want to be equipped to share the message better? Read God's word. It's literally what he's given it to us for is to equip us, to get us to know him better, to get to know his will better. Spend time in God's word. It will, I promise you, it will change your life. And this is my personal technique. And I know it's the heart of a lot of people in here. Invest so much that they ask you why. Invest so much time, they ask you why. Why do we move all the couches? Why do we take all that stuff and stick it in the house for that person? 
Because God calls us to love our neighbors and to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Why do we go the extra mile in our community to go above and beyond so that people are like, what in the world is wrong with you? What is going on? So why are you doing that? Let me tell you. Why are you taking the time to spend with me when I don't deserve it? Let me tell you. As soon as they ask that question, why? It's a free shot, man. Oh, you asking me? How long you got? You know, let's go. Because not only, now they're receptive. The verse I have there is 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to make the difference to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it in gentleness and respect. It does, don't be a jerk about it. Do it in love. But always be ready. I've heard this too many times. I show the love of Christ through my actions. You do show the love of Christ through your action, but that's not the message of salvation. The next thing we need to do, we need to invite. Yeah, your good works and your actions can open up the door to connect with someone to be able to speak into their lives. But if you don't share the gospel, you're not inviting them. You're not offering the message. You're not. Look what it says in Romans. This is my spelling again. Romans 10, 14. And how will they call on him in whom they not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Jesus, right? We need to share it. We need to have boldness. We need to have confidence in Christ. And we need to have the love for them that we are willing to have the uncomfortable conversations and actually lay it out there. Don't back down from sharing it. But Alex, I don't know what to say. I can't even draw that picture. I've been here for like 30 minutes probably or something like that. I still can't find 2 Corinthians right? I'm still struggling. How am I supposed to share that? The greatest testimony of Christ I found in the blind man. There was a blind man who was sitting outside the gate of the synagogue, and Jesus came by to put mud on his eyes and said, go wash. And the blind man came back. He was healed. Jesus healed him. All of a sudden, all the religious people were all up in a fit because Jesus was working on Sunday. And they start hunting this dude down. Tell me more about this guy. Tell me what happened. Tell me what happened. He's like, I told you everything that happened. All right, you know what? I'm calling your mom. So then they call their parents in. He's like, give me an explanation for this guy right now. What did he do? They called him in a second time. He said, look, whether this man is a sinner or not, I don't know. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. See, as all I knew is at one point I was far from God, but now I'm near to God. At one point, I thought I was just some kind of cosmic accident. Now I know I was wonderfully, fearfully made. I was unloved, but now I see the love that is past all understanding. I'm different. I'm not the same man I was two years ago. I'm growing. I have a peace. I have a joy. I have a new purpose. Just tell them what you know. You know what a testimony is? What your life was before Christ when you met Christ, and what your life's been after Christ. That's all it is. Just share your story. 
But what if? But what if I invest all that time? What if I invest in people so much that I'm faithful and I share the gospel every chance I get? I pray for them daily and nightly, and I'm constantly on my knees praying for them. And they don't respond to Christ. Let me give you this confidence. Let me take this weight off your shoulder because I've felt it for a long time. You have the message of salvation, but you're not the Savior. You have the message of salvation, but you are not the Savior. It's God that does the work in someone. It's God that calls them. No man comes to the Father unless the Father calls him. What your job is, is to be obedient and sharing the message that God has entrusted in you. It's up to him to do the work in the person. You just get it there. Now, this, this next quote's a little intense, but if we can embody this, if Branch Life can take this to heart and take it from coming into this building and taking it out in our communities, things will change. God will move. Look what Charles Spurgeon says. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over my dead body. And if they perish, let them perish with their arms wrapped around their knees imploring them to stay. And if hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go unprayed for and unwarned. Branch life, give it all you got. How about that line for a movie? You want to go to hell? Alan, over my dead body. Not if I have anything to do with it. I have the answer here. Here it is. I'm going to get there. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to warn you. I'm going to invest in you. And I'm going to share it with you. And if you go, it's not because I didn't tell you. Guys, people are perishing. Every day, every five seconds, ten ten people enter eternity. Standing before judgment. Another 10. Another 10. We got to get going, guys. We have to reach the lost. God's called us to. It's what he called us to. It brings him glory when we take the message of salvation and go to the world with it. There's something you can do even before you leave here. Who's your one? There's probably going to be 150-something people through this room today and 200-something watching online. There should be 150 names that come in on your connection cards today. At least you can have us praying for them. At least you can have us getting down on the floor and petitioning the Father with the power of prayer on behalf of these people. And if we join together in petitioning the Father, God will move There will be lives changed. There will be relationships healed. That's the first thing we can do. Maybe you're ready to come alongside someone and encourage them to take their next steps. And you're ready to disciple someone or you're ready to be discipled. You're saying, Alex, I need some help. Help me. 
Let's get you in that small, intentional investment and prayer and encouragement relationship to have people come alongside you to make you a better messenger of the gospel. Maybe today, it's the first time you've ever heard that message, that good news of salvation. And it's available to you right now. There's no hoops you got to go through. There's no magical dance you got to do or anything like that. You don't have to be a better person. All you got to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We all stand under the penalty of sin. But right now, God is offering as a free gift to you. And you're going to be judged on whether or not you respond to that. And all you do in the quiet of your seat, Lord, I know you're God. I believe I'm a sinner and I want to follow you. Please. If you put that on your card, I guarantee you, if you get that in the hands of Chris or Josh or Bill or Scott, if you put that on the cards, you will get a call this week. You will be asked to go out to lunch. And we will explain to you the joy of your salvation. This is the greatest news ever. And it's worth whatever means necessary to send it. Guys, he's entrusting you with his message of salvation. Let that sink in as his ambassadors for the places you leave after here. Whether it be on a farm or being a CEO. Whether it's being an astronaut or a soccer mom. God's given you the hope of salvation. Let's pray. Lord, man, just so thankful, so humbled that you allow us broken people to hold a message of such great worth, of what such great value. Lord, I ask that everyone in this room be stirred and motivated with the urgency of the fact that every five seconds people are dying, every second, and they're standing before this, Lord. I ask as everyone goes out to wherever they're going, work, home, hobbies, teams, whatever it is, school, that you give them the boldness to share Christ. That you be softening the hearts of the people they're, do, they're reaching. And that you move, God. We ask that you move in the lives of our friends and family and the people that we come in contact. Help their hearts to be receptive to that salvation message and help us be faithful in delivering it. Help us serve you better tomorrow than we served you today, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So Branch Life, I don't know what you're all doing sitting there. Go! Hey, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you can take some of the things that we talked about and use them in your spiritual journey. And again, if this has been an encouragement to you, go ahead and share it online. Don't forget, before you leave, to go to branchlife.church and fill out your connection card. We'd love to hear from you, particularly if you took a step of faith today. We'd love to know that. You can do that all on this connection card online. We hope you'll join us for the next episode as we talk about the next step that'll take you deeper in your faith. Have a great rest of your day.